Chapter Four of A Soldier of the Legion by George Mannington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, Part One: The Difficulties of Obtaining Military Intelligence, Native Spies, Ambuscades, Life at Nanam, Doi To, Delipte, A Tropical Storm, The Capture of Lignai, Monsieur de Lanessan, French Colonial Administration owing to the fact that the majority of the population of the yen te were partisans of the de nam and also to the terror which this chief had inspired the remainder it was with the greatest difficulty that any information could be obtained concerning the organization and movement of the rebels notwithstanding the proverbial cupidity of the natives and that all intelligence was well paid for a special secret service fund being devoted to this purpose the military authorities found it almost impossible to learn what was going on or what might be expected to happen it was not until a regular system of espionage was instituted in april eighteen ninety one that any useful knowledge could be obtained a score or so of men from the native regiments who had furnished some proofs of courage were chosen and these disguised as travelling musicians beggars or peddlers wandered from village to village gleaning in the meantime all the information it was possible to obtain this they would communicate to the officers commanding the forts at nanam and boha or to the intelligence department of the brigade at baknin these spies were instructed in certain signs and passwords which they used as a proof of their identity when they came to any of the centres with news and their arrival at and departure from these places were always effected secretly and at night by these means it became possible to the french officers to have some idea of what was going on in the lower yente but the knowledge obtained concerning the strength and situation of the rebels fortified positions in the north was extremely vague several of the spies had made attempts to penetrate into the region north of Atuang. some were turned back others who had probably excited suspicion were tortured and decapitated but none of them succeeded in obtaining a glimpse of the strongholds or in gaining any certitude concerning the paths which led to them however thanks to these spies it became known that important convoys of grain and foodstuffs coming from the villages near baknin were sent northwards twice a week by paths which passed a little to the west of our position and were not visible from it the usual time for the passage of these supplies near nanam was from one to three in the afternoon at which hour owing to the heat the troops were under cover acting on orders received from general voyon who had just taken over the command of the second brigade at baknin small parties were sent out on several occasions in hopes of surprising the convoy they were concealed in one of the deserted villages along the paths supposed to be frequented by the rebels and at points from which a good view of the track for some distance could be obtained i took part several times in these small expeditions one of them is perhaps worthy of mention since it provided some excitement for all those who assisted in it our detachment on this occasion consisted of eight legionaries and as many tirailleurs under the order of a corporal of our regiment 
we proceeded due south about three miles along the high road to cao tuong to a fine pagoda the wall of which skirted the highway just facing the entrance to the building and at right angles to the main road which it joined was a small path that ran across the fields to the west and was visible for about four hundred yards afterwards turning off sharp to the left behind a range of small hillocks covered with long grass at the apex of the angle formed by the junction of this path and the main road was a big banyan tree with a clump of bushes at its base it was here that our ambuscade was placed after a scouting party had gone through a big empty village situated just behind the pagoda and it was certain that there existed no sign of occupation or trace of a recent passage of the enemy six legionaries two natives and the corporal remained behind the pagoda wall and through the open brickwork in the top part of it they could see across the fields together with four tirailleurs i was posted on the opposite side of the road we were a little to the right of the others our backs towards them behind the clump of bushes at the foot of the banyan perched up on one of the branches of this tree and concealed by its dense foliage was a legionary who from the position he occupied obtained a fine view to the south and west these being the only directions from which our position could be approached since the bamboo hedge of the village behind us skirted the road to the east for at least five hundred yards and nothing could come from the north without being seen by our sentries at nanam who had received orders to keep a sharp lookout it was ten in the morning before we had settled down our instructions were to reserve our fire and if possible capture one of the enemy alive the heat was terrible this was in the second week in june and the rains had not broken and although thanks to the shade from the tree above me i could doff my helmet and profit by the occasional light puffs of breeze just sufficient to move the airy foliage of the bamboo it required all my energy to fight against the invading drowsiness from time to time i would question the man in the tree in the hope that he would announce the advent of a troop but he disappointed me each time with a reply in the negative my attention was soon drawn to the four natives beside me for i perceived that they were fast asleep the natives possess a faculty of dropping into a sound slumber without respect to time or position and these though seated their bodies bolt upright and their legs crossed before them were snoring the tonkinese like the arabs have a proverb which says a man is better sitting than standing better asleep than sitting and better dead than asleep however this was no time to ponder on the ethics of oriental philosophy so i applied myself to awakening these weary ones and after a good deal of vigorous shaking succeeded in doing so the corporal who from his hiding-place had taken in the situation adjured me in low but energetic tones to make use of the butt of my rifle to infuse enthusiasm into the unfortunate tirailleurs then all was quiet again and our weary watching was resumed the time seemed to drag along with painful slowness and the glare and the heat increased in intensity hardly a sound disturbed the drowsy tranquillity and had it not been for the chirping song of the cicadas and the far-away whistle of a kite 
which soared above us and whose shadow flitted occasionally across the open ground in front one could have imagined that there was nothing living for miles around the sun began to move westwards and its rays struck the white wall behind me only to be reflected with such force that i was obliged to put on my helmet to protect the back of my head it was nearly two in the afternoon when we were startled by a short exclamation from the sentry perched above us what is it someone inquired there is something moving he replied a long way off two kilometers perhaps two men ah there are some who carry baskets nakes peasants going to market i suppose then with growing excitement in his tone he continued i see a glitter gott for deck he was belgian the two men in front carry rifles they are the point yes yes the point further back there are more coolies with baskets and more men with rifles now two men on ponies where are they i tried to speak quietly but could have shouted with excitement on the path which runs behind the hillocks the path which turns in here they come from the south and walk very quickly Whew! he whistled there are quite sixty coolies and as many men with guns they have a rear guard the first will be on the path before us in ten minutes prevenez vite le corporal nous allons rire i ran across the road behind us through the gateway into the pagoda yard and informed our non-com though he was only half awake when i began for the heat had been too much for him he was quite alive to the situation before i had said many words and almost shook hands with me in his joy at the news don't shoot he said unless they are alarmed and run then shoot straight let them come up on the road here and we can collar one mais pour l'amour de dieu keep an eye on your demoiselles i have no faith in them i went back to my hiding place Helenks, the man in the tree, said to me, Hurry up! The two first will be around the corner in a minute or so. I glanced at the Tireurs. They were kneeling now and throwing eager glances through the foliage. In a low voice I told them to fix bayonets and load, and noticed that the man next to me trembled like a leaf as he did so. Excitement, I thought, or was it fear? From a deep bronze his skin had changed to a dirty yellow i should have known and taken away his weapon but this was my first experience mechanically i slipped my right hand into the pouch of my belt took out a cartridge and after wetting the bullet with my tongue slipped it into the open breech of my rifle and closed it now nothing moved and the only sounds that struck the ear were the song of the cicalas the whistle of the kite and the gentle rustle of the bamboos in the breeze suddenly round the corner of the last hillock came a man then a yard or so behind another though expected their actual appearance produced an impression of surprise perhaps because we had waited so long both wore a kind of uniform of green cotton cloth and putties of the same colour their long hair was rolled in a silken turban of similar hue hanging on his shoulders suspended by a string which passed round the front of his neck each man had a big palm-leaf hat the sun glittered on their brass cartridges fixed on a belt round the waist and on the winchesters which they carried on the shoulder as a gardener carries his spade the end of the muzzle in the hand the butt behind them on they came at a sort of jog-trot and we could hear the pad-pad-pad of their naked feet on the hot path 
now they were within a hundred yards of us and i fancied i could perceive a look of relief on the ugly flat features of the first as he glanced towards the pagoda the first of the long string of bearers with their bamboo and baskets were now visible coming along at a jerky run i felt something touch my left elbow and glanced around to find that hellings had come down from his perch and was kneeling beside me the two armed men were quite near now we could see a bead of perspiration on the face of the first as it came from his hair and trickled down his forehead we could hear the regular short pant of his hard breathing note his half-open mouth and distinguish his black lacquered teeth pad 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 a soft puff of breeze brought to my nostrils the acrid odor of the perspiring native another few seconds and by thrusting my rifle through the leaves i could have touched his breast with the muzzle these two will surely be ours nothing can save them unable to control himself mastered by excitement or fear the tirailleur on my right suddenly sprang to his feet and shouted in the vernacular toi stop adoti where go you from the pagoda behind us i heard an angry murmur and could distinguish the corporal's voice kill the swine oh kill him hellenks cursed and groaned like a man struck with fever i felt that i had stopped sweating and a big lump rose from my chest into my throat and seemed to choke me i gave a great sob of disappointment and surprise the next instant we were on our feet for hellings rose with me and as he shouted we can yet catch one i knew that he had a similar thought to mine but we had hardly taken the first step forward prior to forcing our way through the bushes and jumping down into the paddy field than we were blinded for a second by two bright flashes from a few feet in front of us and half deafened by the close report of the rebels winchesters the lin native soldier the cause of all the racket pitched head foremost into the foliage there was no time to lose so both of us rushed through the little cloud of smoke through the bushes and the next instant we were down in the field fifteen perhaps twenty yards away i saw the backs of the two green-clad natives who were running for dear life they were side by side in the field for the path was littered with the baskets and bamboos of the coolies who had disappeared as if by magic too late i shouted hellings jerked up his rifle and covered the natives on the left the next instant acting on his example i was peeping along my sights and bringing them in line on to the middle of the palm-leaf hat which bumped as it hung on the receding back of the man to the right before i could press the trigger hellings had fired and a cloud of smoke floated across my line of vision it was gone in a second and i got my chance through the white puff from my rifle i saw a dark figure spring into the air with the pose of a marionette of which all the strings have been jerked together and as i brought down my weapon jerked out the empty cartridge and reloaded i saw a dark mass lying motionless on the damp ground amongst the bright green stalks of young rice vita vita you fool mine is winged and will escape if you do not hurry cried my comrade as he started off at the double on we ran for about thirty yards then hellings stopped and pointing to the ground jerked out i told you so and i saw a small blotch the size of a man's hand which as the bright sunshine played upon it glittered red like a splendid dark ruby 
these fellows have as many lives as a cat he continued hurriedly he was down and up again in a second limped away across the path into that tall grass on the right pointing in the direction come we may yet have him on we went a few more yards when the belgian came a cropper having tripped over the foot of the thing spread eagled in the rice field in his hurry he had passed too close i had given it a wide berth i came back to help him up and had to look at it there was a small round hole in the back of the neck just below the base of the skull hellings scrambled up panting how he cursed what are you staring at man take his gun quick bending down i picked up the winchester in doing so i almost touched the body and with difficulty suppressed a murmured i beg your pardon because i was dominated by a sentiment of awesome respect for the thing that had been and was no more i wished to walk softly on tiptoe and felt so thankful that he had fallen face downwards all this had passed in the space of a few seconds come back come back it was the corporal shouting to us and there was a note of warning in his voice before turning to go i glanced up and saw a puff of white smoke arise float for a second over the top of the hillock ahead and i heard a report something struck the wet ground a little in front and to my right a speck of mud hit me on the chin then along a distance of fifty yards or so the crest was covered with smoke and there was a rattle of musketry as we ran the ground and the air seemed to me to be alive and i could not go quickly enough to please myself hellings said between pants we forgot the cartridges oh damn the cartridges i replied and it was as if someone else had said it how far it seemed there were not more than forty yards how hot the sun was i believe i was terribly afraid during the few seconds it took us to get back to shelter again how we got back i don't remember i only know that i felt quite surprised to find myself standing somewhat blown behind the big tree telling my nomcom what had happened and feeling very anxious not to appear flustered hellings lay panting and laughing on the grass beside the other men three legionaries who were making caustic remarks concerning our running powers and five tirailleurs the latter were either kneeling sheltered by the tree or extended flat on the road their rifles ready to reply to the enemy's fire which was increasing in intensity to my explanation the corporal replied bon bon it was the fault of that dog of a native pity he was not hit killed they shot off his sucolo and he fainted three of our fellows and two tirailleurs are behind the pagoda wall to the right they can see the enemy's position from there go and take command of them i was an eleve caporal i e lance corporal at this time and follow up each volley we fire from here by another distance three hundred yards i went over to my little command my nerves steadied by the thought of the responsibility which was now mine i lined the men up each before an aperture in the open brickwork of the wall and recommended them to aim carefully and wait for the word of command before firing half sitting half lying with his head against the wall was a tirailleur who had been the cause of our abortive ambuscade the upper half of his face was scorched and blackened and a little red stream trickled down from forehead to chin 
He looked dazed and stupid, and his eyes were half closed. From his lips came a continual moan, which he interrupted every few seconds to murmur, Diet, Diet, dead, dead. My attention was called from him by the crash of a volley from the corporal's party. As soon as the smoke had risen, the smart rattle of our volley rang out. Three times I gave the same commands, and each detonation seemed an echo to the one from the rifles of our comrades. Then there was a pause. The enemy's fire had slackened considerably, and the noise of the projectiles as they struck the wall and roof of the pagoda, sang overhead or clattered through the branches of the banyan, was hardly noticeable when compared to the racket they had kept up a few minutes before. From the hillocks before us only occasional puffs of smoke arose, followed by isolated reports from their rifles. At his call I went out to our non-com, who said, they seem to be sick of it, and certainly show no disposition to rush us. I wish they would try. Sacre The ground is too open for them. If we could depend on the lens, but we can't, we might make a dash for the convoy. Without them the odds are too great, so I have decided to withdraw. I will start off with this lot. When we have got away, give them a volley to keep them still, and if they show any signs of moving, a little independent firing. Don't be extravagant, though, you understand? Yes, I answered, but you must take the wounded Lin. He would hamper me. Of course, he replied. Sacre bon Dieu! I had forgotten the coward. Can he stand? I don't think so. Thereupon he told two men off to fetch the poor beggar, and I felt sorry for him when he appeared tottering, though supported, by the two legionaries. As already explained, the banyan tree and the bushes masked the pagoda gateway, so that these movements could not be seen by the enemy. "'He'll do,' said the corporal. "'You two men hold on to him and help him to keep up. Here you—this to another tirailleur—tell him to run his best when we go.' This was explained, and he nodded, mumbled, and would have started off alone if he had not been held. He seemed in a hurry to get away, and we all laughed. Now, said our chief, the brigade will retire by echelons. Then, with a grin and a bow to me, you, monsieur, will cover our withdrawal with your battalion. When you hear a volley from us, double out and rejoin with your party. Good luck to you. Bon chance, I replied, and went back to my men. A couple of sharp orders, and the others clattered by on the double. The next minute the enemy's fire broke out with renewed vigor. They probably thought that everybody had left, for no bullets came our way. Crash went our volley at them, but they still kept it up. The running white men were too tempting a target. I waited half a minute and ordered independent firing of four cartridges per man, and joined in the fun. This calmed them a little, and I got my men outside, sheltered behind the friendly banyan, ready for the run, as it was probable that the others would soon halt. The road went off slightly to the right, and was hidden from view by the corner of the wall. We had not long to wait, for in a few seconds the rattle of the rifles told me it was time to start so away we went in single file at the run we found the first detachment sheltered behind a ridge between two fields from whence they had fired two volleys to cover our withdrawal 
no one had been hit the only damage done being to the stock of a rifle belonging to a man who had retreated with me which had been smashed by a rifle bullet there can be no doubt that the rebels were very poor shots at anything over a hundred yards and it is doubtful if any of them knew how to hit a running object it was not for us to grumble at this however their fire ceased completely as soon as we had joined forces this was due probably to the fact that owing to the continued sound of firing the piquet from nanam had been sent out to meet us though we were unaware of this as a slight rise of the ground hid the fort from us we moved off cautiously and very soon met the relief this detachment about fifty strong went on in hope of engaging the enemy but were disappointed for although they occupied the hillocks from which we had been fired upon the rebels had not waited for them but retreated together with a convoy leaving behind them but a few baskets of rice so terminated my first experience under fire from a visible enemy that night we were awakened and remained under arms for an hour for the enemy amused themselves by treating us to a long-range fire it was a waste of ammunition for nobody was hurt and we did not reply some of my comrades suggested that this was a reprisal for our ambuscade of the afternoon personally i am inclined to believe that it was a fainted attack on our position designed to engage our attention and ensure the passage of the belated convoy which had escaped us the weather grew hotter every day and several cases of heat apoplexy and fever occurred in our little garrison it is probable that the fever was due to the digging which had taken place during the construction of our fortifications this was inevitable of course but it is always very dangerous to break new soil in these districts since the surface to the depth of three or four feet is mainly composed of decayed vegetation in which the malaria microbe is abundant all the newcomers were of course victims to prickly heat in addition to which many of us were afflicted with small boils these would not come one or two at a time but sufferers were literally covered with them i was one of the first to pay toll to this extremely painful malady in addition to these unavoidable inconveniences the whole company suffered from another discomfort which was a cause of deep complaint on the part of the men since it was due to the neglect of our commissariat department because some trifling formality had not been executed mosquito nets were not served out to us till late in july and the lack of them caused many hours of sleepless agony during the hot nights a surprising amount of red tapeism still remained in the commissariat department of france's colonial army and though this branch was remodeled in the beginning of 1901, it is generally acknowledged that the authorities responsible for the new order of things have obtained little or no improvement in this respect. In July, the heat became tremendous. The afternoons, which were the hottest part of the day, averaging 110 degrees in the shade. The men were kept indoors from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon, and operations were restricted to short reconnaissances which took place either in the early morning or in the evening. These excursions were always made to the south, east, or west, 
but not northwards as orders had been received from the brigade to abstain from penetrating into the enemy's country until the summer months had passed in consequence the garrison of nha nam disposed of a good deal of leisure time which the men made use of according to their varied tastes making cloth belts embroidered with flags and other warlike devices was a favorite pastime with many books and newspapers were in great demand and a fortnightly convoy from phulang thuong which brought the european mail was an incident of importance to all a rifle range had been built about five hundred yards to the west of our position and each morning saw some unit of the garrison at practice close to the fort on the southwest side was a small village inhabited by the camp followers wives and children of some of the native troops it contained one small store kept by a chinaman at which the troops could obtain tobacco tinned goods and strong drinks the sale of intoxicants was however subjected to strict regulation any infringement of which would have entailed the peremptory closing of the storekeeper's establishment the men not on duty were allowed to go into the village from five to seven p m only so that would-be topers had small facilities for overindulgence and cases of drunkenness were few and far between thirsty souls could obtain good wine from the government stores in the fort at a very reasonable price though this supply was with reason restricted to half a litre a little more than a pint a day per man our diet was good for the natives from some of the surrounding villages brought in a plentiful supply of eggs poultry pork fruit and yams which were readily purchased as the troops received a mess grant in addition to their daily ration of bread fresh meat coffee sugar rice and salt during the period of comparative inaction and profiting by the leisure at my disposal i made an attempt at learning the annamese language progress was very slow for the vernacular like chinese is composed of a multitude of sounds many of which are so similar to each other that only a well-trained ear can distinguish the difference also there exists neither alphabet nor grammar to aid the student and success depends entirely on the possession of a good memory and inexhaustible patience in writing this language the natives use the chinese characters each representing a sound and the extent of knowledge of their literati class is gauged by the number of these each individual has succeeded in retaining thus a native who has passed examinations which prove that he possesses five thousand characters is said to be clever and one who has shown that he can make use of double that quantity is considered to have reached a very high standard of education indeed as in the chinese and japanese languages many words possess an honorific as well as a common form thus an official in speaking to an inferior will refer to himself by using the word tao i but in conversing with a superior this form of pronoun in the first person becomes toy i it is needless to state that this peculiarity adds considerably to the difficulties the student has to reckon with during my search for an insight into the native tongue i came in contact with one of the native sergeants known as doi to doi sergeant and to a mountaineer 
this non-commissioned officer belonged to the hardy and brave mountain tribes of northern tonquin mention of which has already been made he had distinguished himself on several occasions and especially so during the operations against Hutue in december and january in appearance and in his love of danger he bore a strong resemblance to a gurkha and the following account of an incident which took place during one of the attacks on the rebel stronghold related to me by a legionary who was present will give the reader some insight into the character of this plucky little soldier and indeed into that of his fellow tribesmen of whom he was a good example during one of the first engagements a section of the native regiment under the orders of a lieutenant succeeded in reaching the first palisade from behind the trees or lying flat on the ground the men opened a smart fire on the rebel position which was returned with vigour and punctuated by oriental abuse composed of rude remarks concerning the individual family of each terrier and the graves of his ancestors doy to maddened by these insults stood up in full view of the enemy and poured forth upon them a torrent of curses and invective in their admiration of his daring and their surprise at the volubility and scope of his abuse most of the combatants forgot to fire and a momentary lull took place in the engagement it lasted a few seconds only for lashed to fury by the stinging retorts of the speaker every rifle on that side of the rampart was turned upon him his sacolo and cartridge cases were shot away and his clothes riddled with bullet holes and it is probable that his body would have resembled a sieve had not his lieutenant sprung forward and dragged the howling mountaineer into safety behind a big tree after this the rebels fire slackened and they shouted friendly invitations to the native troops to kill their officers and join them saying that de nam would treat them well and would give one hundred dollars for every head of a french officer they would bring in to replied with renewed invective from behind the tree where he had been ordered to remain and each pause made through want of breath he punctuated with a shot from his rifle when the engagement was over and the troops were retiring to nanam the lieutenant aforementioned asked the little sergeant if he thought the promises of the rebels were bona fide ones the nearest translation of doto's reply in bad french was something after the following mm, they belong big liars suppose i bring your head mon lieutenant perhaps i get ten dollars only he and i soon became fast friends and of an evening before the door of the fort was closed i would sometimes go for an hour to his kanya native hut and sit and talk with him whilst his wife prepared his evening meal of rice dried fish prawns and native salad while we discussed the topics of the day his sons two sturdy pot-bellied brats aged respectively five and seven naked as they were born would squat down on the floor of beaten clay and stare open-mouthed at me his meal dispatched the little sergeant would stretch himself out on a clean rice straw mat placed on a platform-like bed made of split bamboo which covered half the room his wife would then bring in a hardwood tray 
whereupon was a diminutive lamp a bamboo opium pipe with a blue clay bowl some little skewer-like implements of silver and a tiny box of the same metal containing the daily ration of this seductive drug Tho would lie on his right side a hollow block of green enameled earthenware serving as a pillow beneath his head his wife would stretch out opposite to and facing him between them was placed the tray with its little implements and the lamp was lit this was the solemn moment of the day end of chapter four part one